And welcome back to another episode of Code with Kingy, where for this show I am very grateful to be talking to young Southland stag and Highlander Ethan De Groot, where the front rower takes us through what it was like growing up in Gore, his decision to leave high school and then return to give himself better opportunities for rugby moving forward, and now what it's like to be catching passes from the GOAT, aka Aaron Smith, on a daily basis. So grab your popcorn, or your foam roller, or whatever you think goes hand in hand with a podcast, and enjoy the next 40 minute long corridor. Well, Namahi, Ethan, and thank you very much for joining me on Code with Kingy, my bro. Um, I've been looking forward to this. I don't know what it is about front rowers, man. I guess it's just because you guys perform a lot of the dark arts on the field, and I always like to get a better understanding of the game, being a, a bit of a rugby nerd, bro. So, yeah, welcome on to the show. Thanks, bro. Thanks for having me. Um, I know we were just mentioning off here that you enjoyed a bit of club footy during your bye week, but what else have you been up to? Have you been... I don't know, doing too much? Do you like aim to get away on these types of weeks considering, you know, the, the calendar that you professional players have these days? Yeah, yeah. Um, I shot home back down south. Uh, went to Gore for a... Gore in Invercargill, stayed in Invercargill for the night and watched, watched some club footy down there and um, I come back to Dunedin on, on the Tuesday and went out fishing with the front row boys. It was me, some guy from Huntington Fishing. True. Was keen to have us out there and took ten of us out on a big boat and caught heaps of kai. It was mean. Is it something that you're into? You know the whole hunt together of us. Yeah, bro. Yeah, love my diving, love hunting. Just got getting into the fishing. That's good. Bit True, of golf here and there as well. <laughs> See, I'm a bit of a fake Maori in that part, bro. In that I have <laughs> no skills outside of the office. Hey, I wish I did, but unfortunately, my family raised me to be. A bit of an urban kid, so yeah. If I was stuck on a desert island, I'd probably die within the. What was it? How long does it take for you to die? Like of starvation, like seven days or three days seven for days. water, bro. So, um, yeah, surely yeah. you'd be good at eating it, though. <laughs> That's the easy part, bro. Yeah, um, right. I'm very good at taking shortcuts, not so much the mahi. Um, but yeah, I, I guess we can just start from day dot with you, bro. You just mentioned you're from Gore um, and having done a little bit of homework, man. But how did you even get into playing rugby? And yeah, did you grow up, you know, in Gore or like whereabouts did you grow up? Um, yeah, so first I was born in Australia, and um, yeah, Gold Coast, and then moved over, went to Auckland for a bit, and then moved to Dunedin. Uh, still very young, and then I think I was like four or three or four when I moved to Gore and. Yeah, signed, mum signed me up. I think my yeah, my brother was six when he started, and I think I was, she didn't want to go to too many ga- um, two games in one day, so I was, I think I was four or five and I was playing with him, under sixes maybe. Yeah, signed up in Gore, um, what was my club? Excelsior Albion, Albion Excelsior, yeah. True, and so have, um, i I got to ask, bro, like, have you always been a front rower, or were you a bit of a late developer? Uh, I was always, a, I was actually grew up pretty small, but I was, um, yeah, always chucked in the front row. Small but slow. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a bit of me, bro. But um, obviously didn't put on the weight like you did in high school. I'm, um, yeah, yeah I, find, I struggle to put on the weight these days, so I just hide behind the full pack, my man. Um, oh, no. But yeah, you, you roll on and you go to Gore High. I mean, what's footy like down there? Um, I know it's different for different parts of the country, but I know seeing the way that the Stags played, or maybe not so much of late, but prior to that and I guess there's almost like a reputation for you boys down in the deep south so how did you progress through the ranks and then um, get yourself to high school footy? So I started I started at St Peter's in Gore for year 7 and 8 and then I then I shifted over to um, Gore High that was just because the footy at Gore High was a lot better than at St Peter's because um, I think that was the year they had that Highlanders competition going and um, St. Peter's got like relegated down. So my brother went over there for footy and then so I, I, I followed um, when I finished yeah, because it starts in year nine. Okay, so you mentioned the fact before that your mum didn't want to be running around too much. So she got you and your brother to play together and you followed your brother to go high. I mean, like, how much of an influence has he had on your career and how much has he shaped you as the player that you are now? 
<laughs> my brother's a bit of a loose unit, um, to be honest. Um, never really went too far after school, but um, definitely he was a he's a big man. And um, yeah, growing up, it was just me and him running it straight, pretty much outside. <laughs> and that yeah, it, he definitely toughened me up for for because um, when was I? Yeah, I was, I was still at Gourmet Primary, and um, I was playing with the Year Seven Eights because I was, wasn't allowed to play with my own age group. Because I was, yeah, injuring kids and, um, yeah, so it actually worked out well for mum. So I was actually playing, my brother was at St. Peter's and I was, I was still playing club, just a few years older. Interesting. So battle hardened in the backyard. Um, and, and even on that note, bro, um, De Groot. So I, obviously that's like a Dutch heritage, but does your family fuck a papa back to South Africa or back to the Netherlands? Uh, my granddad, he, um, yeah, he's Netherlands. Holland, yeah, he's a Dutchie. Right. True, true, true. Well, good to have you over these ways, bro. Um, so you mentioned the transition to Gore High following your brother, and then yeah, the rugby there, because uh, we'll, we'll get to, I guess, your transition over to Southland Boys, but I mean, like, how did you find your time at Gore High School? Like, was the, you mentioned them being part of the Highlanders competition um, down south, and like, how much of that early on did that shape your career? Like, did you have an inkling that you were quite good at footy once you got to high school, and did you look to pursue it pretty hard? Um, yeah, well, obviously you made like the rep, rep footy in that, so I was made all the rep rep teams for Southland and like Eastern growing up, and um, yeah, now Gorhai was good footy. Like, like I said, the Highlanders competition that got canned when I was year eleven, so I did get one year of it, and then when in, in year twelve, rugby it wasn't really like. I never thought it was going to be a job, but I knew I'd always, you know, either be playing any sort of footy, whether it was club or whatever I do. But yeah, in year 12, um, after that footy season, halfway through the year, I pretty much just got told to leave, leave school because I wasn't really doing a hell of a lot. And I was just bumming around the woodwork and metalwork room pretty much all day, just building things. <laughs> yes, I yeah, left school in year 12 and then yeah, started, a, started working I was just doing labouring as a sparky and then um, absolutely hated it. And I was I was already in the Southland Academy when I was year 11 and then I was like, couldn't make the, like when I was 17, I was working and I couldn't make all the, like travel to Invercargill and like do the trainings and that for Academy. So it was either work or, or go rugby. Yeah. True. And so... You go to Southland Boys. Was that again to just give you a better opportunity for footy and play against better caliber opposition? Um, to be honest, I always wanted to go down to Southland Boys, but my parents were like, "You live right near the school. You don't need to like. We're not paying for you to go to the hostel. We're, like you're working. You've got a job." And I was like, "Oh, but I'm in the academy. I want to, you know, I want to play footy." So. I talked to the scouty, but he he was the Southland Boys first team coach, and he he ran he ran the academy down there, and um yeah, I, I was talking to him, and he said, "Why don't you come back to school?" And I was like, "My parents aren't going aren't going to let me leave my job to go back to school to do nothing and play footy." So they they I ended up convincing my parents, and um I I ended up getting a scholarship down there. So uh, yeah, primo result, and then from then it was probably. When I realised footy, that's they're like that's what I really want to do. Unreal. All right. So you convinced the parents um, through the help of some coach, or through the help of your coach. And so where did it rock on from there? So you roll up year thirteen, like like you decide that you don't want to do the sparky gig anymore, and you want to give this rugby thing a good crack. Like, can you give us a timeline? Was this like over the summer period, and then like fast forward, like rolling into um, the footy season, your last year of school, like? How did that whole process play out, and how successful were you guys um, in your competition? Um, yeah, it was pretty much just over that summer. Turned up at Southern Boys, like never really gymmed as hard as as hard as that, and like lived and breathed footy like I did there. Because I, like, I think I had three classes to go to, and literally all I would do is rugby, go to school, eat my lunch, and then rugby afterwards. So, yeah, I, I turned up at Southern Boys, hundred kilos, and. By the time I left, I was 125 and just over a year, over the footy season, yeah. Do you put that more down to the weights or the food? Um, 
the food, obviously hostile food and having a cooked breakfast every day and gym at the and the gym. Big thanks to the ladies in the kitchen then. Um, yeah, howdy. <laughs> and then, yeah, I mean, I'm not too familiar with the competition down there. Obviously, I know the likes of Southland Boys, Otago yeah. Boys, and then you guys compete to represent the South Island at, at the top four competitions. So how did your last year, um, or how did your first year with, with Southland Boys go? And, you know, from there, did you make a whole lot of rep teams that then pointed you in the direction to then join the Southland Academy or, you know, put in the eyes of Highlander Scouts? Yeah, so during my time at Southland Boys, we were in the um, Dunedin Colts grade, so we travelled up every day and played. Because like, if we did play the schools around Southland, we'd, we, we were just pumping them. So we, we moved up. to OB's done the move as well. And we played in the, the Colts under-21s comp in Dunedin, which is real strong because all the students. So... We played in there. I think we come like fourth or something, and then we won all our schools. Went up to Christchurch, beat Christchurch boys, and then we went all the way to top four. But um, yeah, we got pumped up there. Like Mount Abbott Grammar had the most stacked team ever. They had, like Caleb Clark was an absolute beast. They had um, you know Zai Papali that plays for the Warriors, mm-hmm. but he played like seven, eight, nine, and twelve that game. And they'll just he'd feed the ball in at nine and just go eight nine and just sick make fifty meters every time. It was unreal. Yeah, those Auckland boys are, are raised a bit differently, bro. And I guess the iron sharpens iron, as they say, with the strength of their one A competition. Um, but I mean, to get to top four alone, I mean that must have been an experience in itself. And even going through that experience of playing a top caliber team like Mount Abbott Grammar, you know, would have given you a taste of what it's like to yourself against the best and put you in better stead going forward bro so what was the plan once you left school like what did you have in line obviously you've got a bit of a tradie background obviously looking to do that once you left core high school but what was the balance between rugby and work you know when you first left school yep so when i left school i had an injury that i was i carried right through that with the my shoulder just kept dislocating like most games so i got that tidied up when i finished school and um yeah, for work, um, since I couldn't really do any like heavy lifting or any of that, um, the, the Southland Academy jacked me up with a job and I, I was just a teacher aide working with like special needs kids for a year, which is, which is awesome. And um, got my shoulder right and I was just working nine to three doing my rehab. And um, yeah, got back on the club scene and two games in, I redone my shoulder again. Same shoulder, so I had to get another, another surgery. And then, yeah, come out of that and um, started, oh, I started doing concrete. It was, it was long days of um, being a concreter and then, um, yeah, after that I started started my building apprenticeship through my rugby club down there. They um, sussed me a job. Again, shout out to the, to the rugby community, bro. But I, I just want to break down um, a few of your answers there. The first being with the injuries now. Again, having done a little bit of homework on you, bro, it seems like you've had a pretty troubling time on the injury front from when you first left school to, to where you do stand now. But I guess early on, you know, having to clean up your shoulder um, and then coming back early on after thinking that, you know, you're good to go and then doing it again, did that yeah. knock your confidence at all and throw any doubt into your mind around rugby or had you always sort of kept a level head about things and not getting to where you did yourself? Yeah, oh... The confident, like, I knew I was, I knew I was never going to give up. Like, I love rugby. So, whether it was, like, if I lost my arm, I'd probably still still have a go. Um, didn't lose any confidence in, like, in my ability or, you know, I just had to truck on. Like, talking to a few boys about their injuries and what they've come out of, like, it's only a shoulder surgery, so you can come out of anything, really, these days. Absolutely. Um, and I guess the, the second question I want to throw in there before I progress to my next one bro is you know you mentioned the concreting and then even working with the special needs kids so that obviously gave you um, a a more well-rounded view especially as someone who's just left school so I think even like looking now you know as to the luxury of being a full-time athlete and just focusing on your rugby do you feel like those jobs early on you know having to work the long hours and then work with people who you know need 
almost like 24-7 attention. Has that given you a, a better perspective like with your rugby career than perhaps, you know, I mean, you don't have to name names and maybe some of the superstars that have come through and have, it's just been sort of rugby, rugby, rugby. Do you feel like you have a different outlook on the game or like yeah. on your profession? Yeah, I feel like um, I, I've done the work. Like I've been, like I've been working like after school jobs or the summer holidays in the sheds and that. But like a lot of those boys that are like are superstars out of school, like I feel like they don't really know what the real world is like. It's um, like if I didn't do any work and I went straight from school straight in like superstar. Um, yeah. Once you once you leave footy, it's it'll be harder for them because they haven't like ex- had much experience out of rugby. Definitely. Yeah, totally. Having talked with a few of the old heads, you know, just even around the club scene who didn't quite get to crack on and earn, you know, the big bucks that the players are earning now over the likes of Japan and France. I mean, they talk about how rough a transition it is, and these guys weren't exactly like gun guns, but yeah, that's something I've always been interested in being a battler. That, you know, I see some of these guys who sort of have the bright lights thrown at them and, you know, some excel, some don't. And then come the end of their careers, you know, it just leaves me wondering, you know, should they not, or, you know, should their body not hold up or should they not have like a plan B or something to move into outside of, you know, maybe some of the guys we see on TV these days. You know, it must be quite a weird experience because, like you said, someone like yourself who at high school, it was just rugby, 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 and then maybe a little bit of metal work. You know, there are guys similar to that who... Are perhaps a little bit more talented and then they crack on to the rugby scene and then there's sort of balls to the wall there and then you know whether or not they crack on once they're with the big boys you know like that's sometimes it's out of their hands and then yeah just yeah it's I don't know it's something I, I like to ask you guys because it is it is a different lifestyle especially for you guys I mean you guys get judged week in week out on how you perform and there's a lot of meaty media scrutiny that goes around it. There's a lot of money that comes with it as well, which is a which is a big luxury. But you guys are young fellas, and you guys almost don't know any better walking into that sort of stratosphere, bro. Um, it's a bit of a long-winded spiel on my half, bro. But yeah, hopefully that all sort of made sense. Yeah, um, yeah, we we do get judged. Like, obviously you've read the papers, but if any any average Joe had a party, they um, or whatever, whatever happens, yeah. We are under the microscope, but that comes with the job. And um, does that answer your question, bro? Yeah, totally, bro. I, 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 yeah. I'm not, I don't want you get you saying anything um, that that might get you in trouble, bro. So we'll leave it at that, and um, we'll get back to your career, bro. Sorry, I get sidetracked by these things, man. Um, the struggles of being a rugby nerd, but the body holds up in 2018 somewhat to where you then get to crack on and make your debut for the Southland Stags. So, I mean, yeah. what did that mean for you? Because again, I know that there's a lot of pride that gets taken a few boys from the deep south and, and, and you know putting on that what, what would you call it purple jersey i don't even know the right the color for it bro but, yeah <laughs> maroon and gold, maroon, mate, maroon maroon and gold. <laughs> there you go bro that shows how much of a novice i am but yeah can you run us through learning that you're in the team and then going on to play your first game so that year i didn't actually make the team and i was i was pretty gutted to be honest like put a heap of work into getting my my body right and i felt like i was like pretty fit and um yeah it was like pretty devastating not making the team knowing i have to go back to work after like it's pretty hard like when you're working and um like having to do them night train like the academy we train monday night wednesday night and we have the club trainings thursday friday uh tuesday thursday day off friday and then play saturday so it was pretty hard not to make the team and then Luckily, or unlucky for some, that um, a couple of the front rows got injured against Wellington. I think it was round two games in, and then I got called in. So I was pretty happy, but I was still a little hurt that I wasn't in the team. <laughs> but um, yeah, I got named on the bench against Counties, and um, yeah, awesome feeling chucking on that jersey. Eh? Being from South, oh, growing up in Southland, and watching some of those legends play like Cabbage and Jimmy Cowan and Whopper and all those fellas, it was, it was a pretty awesome feeling to chuck that jersey on and get out there. Now, is it me or is there something else with particular regions, you know, namely a place like the Stags, um, and then even you see it like with the Northland Tanifar as well, and even Otago, 
from the boys that I've come across from those regions, they seem to take quite a pride in, I don't know, repping their home team. Could you could you talk me through that? Because, I mean, I'm a Wellington boy, and I have to be honest with you, I don't follow a lot of the Lions um, results these days. But, yeah, there just seems to be, is it, I don't know, like, without without being too offensive, is it because there's not as much to do, and so, like, rugby's almost, like, more of your life, like, down those parts? I don't know, bro. Like, do you get where I'm coming from? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think those smaller provinces like Northland, us, Targo, and those like smaller like towns, not really not like big cities. I think yeah, the rugby, the rugby's a lot like more loyal as in supporters is probably because hmm. like them smaller, smaller um, cities or towns um, have um, how would you explain it? Like a tight club club scene, and then those club players. Go through and go through and play for their province, which brings the supporters out. Yeah, and there's probably a lot less to do on a Saturday than go and go and get pissed and watch the watch the stegies get pumped. Oh, <laughs> but mate, yeah, back the... in back in that era of like oh nine or oh ten, mate, that was unreal. Eh? The era, unreal. There's a song about it, but you should look it up. Oh no, um, South and we won. Oh nine. It still gets sung today. It was 10 years ago. <laughs> All right, bro. I'll put that on the to-do list. And yeah, I, I guess just to even elaborate on your point, bro. Yeah, I've, I've just heard a lot of good things because um, I, I work um, in basketball at the moment, bro. And I know that the Southland Sharks, they have a, um, a pretty strong following down those parts. And, you know, even the players that get brought into the province, you know, whether it be netball, rugby or basketball, as I just mentioned, it just seems like you guys take... A lot of pride in your sporting teams and, and get right in behind them even when the results aren't ultimately going your way bro but i guess even just to cover off your, your career in the stags so far and i don't want to get too ahead of myself uh, with this podcast but you go from no wins in 2018 yeah. to one win in 2019 and then to three wins in 2020 which included taking down otago bro now while that might not seem like a huge thing you know to maybe some of the bigger provinces given the win total that i just rattled off bro like what can you point to given that torrid run that you guys had your first year and even prior to that to where you guys stand now to where even in the, some of those losses i mean they were they were pretty close i mean you i think i remember ones against um i think it was like bay of plenty um i think that's probably like, i just remember watching the first round for that one bro like what do you point to for those sorts of results was it the likes of like a tony lamborn and guys like yourself and manaki selby rickett coming back into the camp with super rugby experience that changed it around or was it the coaching was it the culture like i mean it's a it's a pretty big transformation again for a small province like yourself or like like the team that you play for bro so yeah could you give us any insight into that yeah 100 like the, there's been a massive change in culture leadership and and obviously our coach our coaching Dale McLeod um a lot of respect for him but yeah just from when I first went into the Stags there's um like a lot of individuals obviously they weren't going well and that's sort of where you get them them fractures in a team where when they're not going well and it's like pretty hard to get over that losing rut but um and yeah people start pointing fingers but I think uh, last year, just like our leadership, Tony Lamborn, absolute machine, unreal leader. And yeah, just the mixture of having super boys in and, you know, boys that have been overseas and I think a lot of it, a lot more experience in that. So I reckon that's, yeah, that changed the tip. That changed sort of our mindset that I think beating Hawks Bay round one was probably like, yep, we can. We're not a bad footy team. Hundred yeah. percent, bro. I think that the uh, the big thing when you're looking to turn any sort of like bad situation around is just having that collective buy-in. And as you'd know, bro, I mean, rugby is a team game, and you can't have just twelve players on the same page. You got to have all fifteen, or even extend that through to the bench. And I guess, yeah, it's just like quite a a big thing for me. You know, I've been in my own fair share of down in the dumps period you know whether it be in sport or with work bro and yeah it's just it was quite cool to see you know a province like yourself when again you're having to compete with some of the other big dogs on the track and keep up with them because they're they're looking to improve as well bro and you're almost like 10 steps behind and trying to catch up so 
yeah, it's just interesting to see how you guys managed to turn that around. And it's good to see, bro. It's good to have a level playing field across the teams. It's not that enjoyable when you you have one team on the schedule that's circled for a loss. So, yeah, I guess it's full credit to guys like yourself for implementing the stuff from the top. And then, yeah, like you mentioned, the coaching group, bro. But I, I did circle that win against Otago because I know how much of a rivalry match that is for you. It's probably the biggest rivalry in, in the provincial competition, man. So... What did you take away from that win yourself? Is it one of the sweeter wins you've had in your career so far? Yeah, 100% the best win. Um, just a hell of a game. And like the ball finally bounced. We had a few weeks where like we pulled up short, a lot of tight games, but yeah, getting the win over Otago, like one of the greats. One of the greats, yeah. Especially like they're packed full of um, uh, the Hollanders lads. So it was pretty cool to come in this year and, you know, give them a bit of shit during preseason. <laughs> oh, God, I love the in-house banter, bro. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I guess taking that from last year and then I'm going to go back a few steps or go back to the past again. Um, yeah. You're all off 2018. It's a tumultuous year. You don't have any wins, but you obviously did enough to catch the eyes of the Highlanders coaching group because you get invited in to the Highlanders preseason. So... How was that transition for you, going from, I guess, school, dealing with your injuries, to then being brought into the Southland side, off the run of, or off the back of a couple of guys getting injuries, and then bang, you're now amongst the elite uh, rugby players in New Zealand. And, you know, I've, I've heard a few stories about pre-season and how much head noise the little boys go through, but... Like, how did you find that experience yourself? And did you, I mean, are you quite a quiet guy by nature? And... Like, did you tend to just keep your head down and put the work in, or did you make an effort to actually reach out to all of the elders in the group and try and soak up as much as you can while you were there? Um, yeah, so pre-season, was it 2018, was not ready for it. <laughs> yeah, finished off the stags that year, went back to work. Heard nothing, heard nothing. And um, didn't, even, didn't even have any thought into Super Rugby, was just stoked to, you know, have a good season with the stags. Well, good season for me, not the not the results, but like it was just awesome to chuck that jersey on. Yeah, went back to work and got the phone call. Thought it was one of the boys pranking me, so I just hung up, got back to work, and um, yeah, got a phone call from my agent. He's like, "Mate, did you just hang up on the the Hollanders manager?" And I was just like, hey, "Is this a joke?" And then, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I quickly rang them back and they just said, oh, are you available to come up in two weeks? And like after, like I'd been on the piss for like, back onto the piss for like two two weeks, back to work, <laughs> like pie and coke for breakfast, like not ready. Um, yeah, um, got called into there, like loved it. It was, it was the hardest thing I've ever done um, to that stage. And then, yeah, um, Soaked up as much as I could, just not a real, not a real, probably wasn't real vocal. I was probably just head down, head down us up, but yeah, done that pre, done the preseason and all the All Blacks coming on in January. And then I, it was just like intensity lifted like double of like, yeah, the hits, the intensity, like there's a few young ones in there. And, and like, that was like when Ben Smith and Wise and that were coming back, and um, yeah, a few, a few uh, preseason heroes got knocked down, knocked down a few pegs when they all come back. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it, it, it was an awesome experience, and um, yeah, it was it was very hard though. Some of the things we had to do, and I, like I, I've always been reasonably strong, but like some of these props, they're just insanely strong, eh? And you're yeah, just trying to keep up with them. Like my scrumming wasn't was nowhere near like every scrum I think I did that uh, during that preseason I was I was getting getting mass handed to me eh? <laughs> a humbling experience by the sound of it but yeah. just for me man who was who was the guy that when you saw like roll into training you know whether he sat down beside you or just walked past you to get to his locker that you were like holy this is something else was there like a particular all black or a particular player for you um Oh yeah, probably probably Nuggy to be honest. Like, probably not when he walked past or said g'day. It was just like, 
catching one of his absolute perlers of a of a pass at training, I was like, holy, this is unreal. Like his pass is next level there. Yeah, bro, please run me through that because uh, I'm a halfback and that's probably been something I wanted to tick off my um, my bucket list, bro, is just catching a pass from the greatest passer of a ball ever, man. And if you can, in short, I mean, like, what what makes him so good? I mean, like, you hear about his prep, but, you know, as someone who gets to see it day in, day out and see the leadership that he brings to that Highlanders unit, I mean, because he's your most capped player now, like, yeah. what, 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 I mean, like, everyone prepares, you know, everyone eats well. You know, everyone goes out and does their extras, but like, what is it that makes him different then from the rest? Yeah, there's like people that prep well, and then there's there's him. Like he he's on another on another planet eh, when it comes to prep, and like looking after his body. Like I think he's in the ice bath every day. Um, he's well, he's obviously got all the gears. Like he's got all his um, you know, massage guns and that, and um, yeah, he's just next level in his competitive like competitive natures like we're playing mini team games and he's like the most loudest like angriest guy out there but no he's he's pretty impressive eh? oh bro it shows on the field man especially for being a guy of his size and the influence that he has on games that's the stuff that um i guess really blows me away bro um but again back to you 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 finish up uh with the highlanders in pre-season that being you know probably the the most unreal rugby experience you'd had to date outside of making your debut for the Stags. And so yeah. then where does it go from there? Do you go back to working, playing club footy before then rolling around for the 2019 season with the Stags? Yeah, um, back to work. And then... No yeah, more pies and cokes? Like, yeah, no more pies and cokes. I was brought, brought a lot of those training habits back into back into South. And then yeah, before that season started, I... Um, signed a three-year contract with the Landers and that was a yeah, dream come true, playing playing for a team I grew up loving and watching. Yeah, unreal, unreal feeling. And so when did that happen? So you mentioned going back to work, but you've signed that deal. No, uh, it mean... was, it was, um, I was working. And oh, okay. Right, and then Mitre 10, I think I signed it round one. Yeah, round one of Mitre 10 I signed it. Yeah, I'm, well, bro, yeah, I'm just taking that in now. That yeah, that must have been a feeling in and of itself, bro. Yeah, like you said, having grown up in the region, and then to be told, "Hey, mate, you're going to be focusing on nothing but rugby for the next three years," bro, unreal. But then you know, you have the higher that, and then not to not to bring that back down to earth, bro. But then you end up hurting yourself round two of that Mitre Ten Cup season. So yeah. Again, what did that do? I mean, like you've already elaborated on your your run of injuries in the past, and now this time it's a lower leg injury with your knee. Again, what was the psyche, and then like where did you go to from there? Were you uh, re- rehabbed in time for the twenty nineteen preseason? Uh, yeah, yeah. So luckily, I I signed that <laughs> signed that contract a week before I got injured. Otherwise, <laughs> it could, could have been a different story. To, but you never know. Um, yeah, hurt my knee, dislocated my kneecap against Otago. Um, thought I'd done the, like, completely blew my knee to bits because, God, it was sore. Um, thought I'd done an ACL or something like that, but luckily I dislocated my, which sounds weird, luckily I just, just dislocated my um, <laughs> knee. And, yeah, just had a tidy-up surgery, and then there was, like, six six weeks left of the Mitre 10 after surgery, and I just moved straight to the knee, and then... Uh, the Highlanders just started rehabbing me for that preseason, and I was ready to go. Yeah, luckily, bang straight back into pre-season. the running grind. Yeah, <laughs> lovely. All right. So again, you go through 2020's preseason. You probably have a better understanding of, you know, what you need to do prep-wise to make sure that the body's right, and you know what the level of intensity is going to be at once the big dogs start to roll back round. Um, and then yeah, you go through the season and. It wasn't the greatest of times for the Highlanders, given your early results. And yeah. I guess, like, like, what was it like within the group that wasn't quite firing or like wasn't quite working on the field from you know someone who was inside that group? Even though you probably weren't part of the twenty-three as much as you would have liked to have yeah. been, you know, was there anything that you can point to? You know, upon reflection now, considering you know the way that you guys came out after lockdown for Super Rugby Aotearoa. Um, to be honest. 
I, I I didn't really know. Like I was I was still on a bit of a high, being in the team, and yeah, I actually I don't really know what was going wrong for us, but yeah, I couldn't put I honestly couldn't put a finger on it. Eh? Fair enough, bro. All right, we'll we'll make it. Uh, we'll ask you a question that you perhaps would have a better understanding of, and that's getting named to go to Argentina to make your debut. Now, I mean, like making your debut is making your debut, but I guess going over to a place that's known for their crowd interaction or the, the rowdiness of it all, and then even just to go that far for rugby and then having to adjust and maybe go away from some of the routines that you have at home, bro. Like, and then ultimately with that game being cancelled, um, with with the way that the pandemic rolled out, bro. Like, can you run us yeah. through initially getting named to go on that flight and then being like, holy shit, I'm going to be making yeah. my debut, running through that week and then to have it actually taken away from you and then have to come back to New Zealand, bro. I mean, that must have been a mix of emotions within the space of seven days or however long you guys took to get over there and then come back, yeah. bro. So, yeah, yeah, I'll let you take it away. Yeah, so that the, the boys went on tour, which was the South Africa and then across to Argentina and... I didn't. Um, I got told I wasn't going on tour because they do. They take a few few extras for like like training purposes and whatnot. But um, didn't make the tour, which I was pretty gutted because I was pretty keen to have a look around and yeah. But uh, one of the I think it was Aiden Johnson. He got knocked out against uh, one of those South African teams, and then yeah, got a phone call saying you're on a flight going to Argentina. Um, I flew over with a couple of the boys, Sio and um, uh, Josh Dixon. Flew over with them, and yeah, couldn't believe it. Eh? Like arriving in arriving in um, Auckland and then getting on a first-class flight to Argentina was pretty mean. Yeah, unreal feeling. Got over there, stoked to see the boys. Yeah, and then they named the team the night they got there and. Yeah, was on the bench and yes, yeah, awesome, like unreal feeling, absolutely fizzing. Like had all my family back home messaging me when once the team got named and all my friends. Yeah, had a good training week. Argentina was hot as. Um, yeah, got to game day. Had our like last meal before we were gonna play. And then I, I always go go over we nap, so I went and had a sleep, and then I got like a knock on the doors. One of the boys saying, "Is a team meeting? Hurry up!" So we had a team meeting, and then they said that the game's going to get called off. And then this, they actually put it to a vote, and they said, "Who wants to? Who's who wants to play? If, um, who wants to play?" And like the reason was, if you don't want to play, was the risk of someone getting like severely injured and then either stuck over there or. You know, if you if you snap your leg, we'll just have to straighten it and um, get you on a flight. So everyone was everyone was like, "Who wants to play?" And I, me and um, Will Tucker, he was meant to debut as well. I think it was just the two of us that put our hands up. <laughs> and um, they're like, "Well, who else?" And then the whole team just put their hand up, and that not worth it. So pretty gutted. Like went back to my room, had a wee sob, and um. Nah, it definitely prepped me for once I did finally get my debut from like what it's like during, like during that week because normally before then I was just it was just going against the starting team or playing team and um, you know just prep like first captain's run like what it's like yeah absolutely bro yeah that's um that's quite a tale. So with the two yeah. debutants want to play the game and everyone else is putting their health first or the, or, or the risk, um, yeah. being a little bit more risk averse, bro. But yeah, mate, I, I absolutely would have stuck my hand up if I had if I had, had my debut on the line as well, bro. But you point to the fact that it put you in better stead in, in terms of with your prep um, going into your, your actual debut game against the Chiefs. So... We'll rock into that one, man, because that was another memorable week, um, especially for you Landers yeah. boys, given the result and the uh, the spectacle, you know, the, the comeback that you guys had, man. So, I mean, yeah, did anything change for you, you know, like going into that week? Did, did you change up anything, you know, having learned what you did in Argentina? And then, yeah, can you talk us through getting on the paddock and then 
where were you amongst all of that chaos once Aaron Smith delivered that pearl at the CEO to secure the win? I think I was head deep in that mall where <laughs> when he peeled off, peeled it off, thinking we we're going to get a pushover. And then I heard the boys cheering because I think we pushed over the line. I was like, yeah, turn around to see who was on the ground. It was CEO under the sticks and they went in. <laughs> um, yeah, that I didn't, I didn't change too much that week. Yeah, the, pretty much the whole time I was on the bench because it was like a hell of a comeback. I was just thinking, just put me on. Like, we're probably not going to win. Just, just get me out there. Give me, a, <laughs> give me a run. And then got on there, and then just yeah, the boys must must have just made that impact day. <laughs> um, no, just getting out there and then it all folding, falling into into place. Yeah, it was it was unreal. Eh? Great win. Oh, bro, it was. It was a weird one because it, it seemed like the Chiefs had finally got the monkey off their back and then next minute, you know, they go the line out, all they got to do is bring it down and then bang, Chuck and Chayla and he's like, there's no way the Highlanders can do this. And then, you know, the little maestro comes up with the big play and yeah, at the end of it, you boys are the ones smiling and then, yeah, the rest is history um, in line with that Chiefs runner losses, bro. But yeah, a, a pretty, I guess a, pretty good way to, to make your debut with a win but then yeah to do it in that fashion must have been um something else but um just before we round this off bro so obviously fast forwarding to 2021 you spend the rest of the season with the highlanders you take your learnings da 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 and i guess for me um just on, on a quick personal note bro i mean i'm a hurricanes fan through and through but i do admire the way that tony brown has you boys playing or the way that he has you boys playing and it's been a bit of an up and down season, right? I mean, you come out, you you beat the Crusaders away from home, who no one gave you a chance in hell to do, and you don't just like pip them, you give them a bit of a slap around. But yeah. then you turned around the next week, and yeah, it was a disappointing result against the Hurricanes. You know, you got to give credit where creditors do. I mean, those boys played probably the best they played all season. Yeah. Um, and then you come back, and oh well, you don't come back. Then you turn around and you had to play the Chiefs and then ultimately you get pipped in that game and then off the back of that you take on the Blues you probably had more on the line and you ever end up giving them a bit of a slap around so for you again being in that group and probably getting a little bit more game time this time around again like what is it that's that changes for you boys week in week out because you know like one week you guys look like Tarzan and the next week you know you're playing a little bit more like Jane bro um don't don't take that a little bit too personally bro but yeah you know what I mean like it's just it's it's almost like you guys can't quite hit that level of consistency to where, you know, you're you're putting yourself with the Crusaders, but you know, yeah, you've yeah. obviously shown that you have an ability to play like them, but again, yes, yeah, it's about I guess nailing that whole process. Yeah. I think the only the only difference that we um identified was um between the Crusaders and the Blues was how we prepped that week. But like it was obviously both games were short turnarounds and we probably didn't train like we had a less training day, it was more clarity, and then one one good training, and then captains run, and then then play. So, I don't know. It's probably a mixture between our prep and maybe like resting on our like resting on our laurels a wee bit. Like we beat the Crusaders, we probably limped into the next week, mate. Like like our mindset probably wasn't like it was when we played the Crusaders or um, when we when we played the Blues like obviously when our mindset was this we need to win this game to have a to have a shot and then yeah that Crusaders was just building that um, building that hate like I love seeing the Crusaders lose you're not the only one yeah I guess yeah that is understandable especially off a off a win like that it can be easy to like you said, I guess ride that high and maybe not be as attentive, you know, to your prep and to the details, you know, leading into um, whoever the next opposition is. But yeah, I guess that's just a bit of self awareness from you boys, and hopefully something that you take in stride, you know, as the years go on under Tony Brown, bro. But uh, I guess for the time being, I mean, you guys aren't out of the final mathematically, but you're going to need a few results, especially from this afternoon and then in the following, to put yourself in that picture. But I, think, I guess even looking forward for me, you know, you guys are playing in that trans-Tasman competition now where you get to take on a few of the Aussie sides. I mean, how exciting is that for, for you off the back of having to play the Kiwi teams, you know, week in, week out, and just having that 
you know, maybe not so much boredom, but repetitiveness. Like, are you looking forward to playing against someone that you hadn't seen, you know, three or four weeks earlier? Yeah, 100%. Aotearoa Super Rugby is absolutely brutal. Not saying that it's going to be tougher, um, not as tough when we play Trent Tasman, but definitely excited to, you know, see some different faces. And, um, yeah, because those New Zealand derbies are tough, bro. Like, any, literally anyone can win on the day. So, it'll be interesting to see how we go um, over there. So, no, very excited to have a run out run 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 of Aussie and get out of New Zealand, have a look around, and hopefully enjoy some sun. Absolutely, bro, absolutely, especially with the way that the Kiwi winter is turning now, my man. But... Yeah, I guess that wraps up all that I've wanted to, to draw from your rugby career, bro. But like with any guests I have on, I have two segments before I end, that being a funnier one, which we'll save for the second go-around. But first, bro, could you run us through what your typical game day routine looks like? Um, game day routine, it's obviously different if you're home or, or away, but home, I always like to go out for breakfast, try to go down to Starfish, which is a nice wee cafe on the beach. Have the starfish stack, which is an unreal feed, um, with a couple extra eggs, and um, yeah, just chill. Uh, wait, we have like a walkthrough, and then um, I don't have a much for pre pre game meal. I normally just have it's always the same food. It's either it's like chicken, mashed potatoes, eggs. I normally just have a bit of chicken, and there's always scones and scones and cream. So I normally hook into a few of them, and then just come back. Either have a nap or um, yeah, just chill out, play a bit of cod, and um, yeah, no, nothing too, nothing too special. Pretty standard. Right, no superstitions. You don't put one bird on before the other. You don't have to listen to a certain song. You don't take pre-workout. Anything like that? Uh, um, yep, I take the. I always put left sock, right sock, left boot, right boot. Always have to have. I've just started this one. I always have to have my ankles strapped and I always have to um, spray my boots with sticky spray, um, which is kind of a weird one, but it's something I have to do. Weird. How do you get <laughs> that? Why, it. And why your boots? I don't know. I just love the like my boots feeling like tight around my feet. Like, strap my, strap my boots onto my, you know, strap the boots <laughs> right around my ankles and then... Yeah, get the spray in there, and I spray it until it's wet. So I put my foot in, and my boots are wet. That's what I like. And then, yeah, just chew on the old caffeine gum until until I play. Unreal, bro. I might have to try that one out. Oh, and green sentence. airplanes only, only green. <laughs> what for the whole game or just pre-game? Pre-game. There's always jelly um, airplanes. There are only the green ones. Can you elaborate on that? Like, what? Why just green? Just green, your favorite color? I just like the taste. The favorite, just the taste. Fair enough, bro. Fair enough, bro. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I don't discriminate against jet planes, but yeah, to each their own. Um, okay, my last segment, bro. It's called Ten in the Bin. So I'll just round off ten questions for you, and if you can answer oh. them as honestly as possible, um, okay. that'd be much appreciated. Uh, all right. Question number one: What's your go-to vessel at a pre-drinks on a night out? Long whites, I'd say. Yeah, long whites. Flavour? Doesn't matter. Probably apple and pear if I was to be picky. Uh, who is the biggest coach's pet you've been around? <laughs> um, he'll hate me for saying this, but Aiden. Aiden Johnson. <laughs> Have to be. Alright. Uh, must want a day off? Um... Must do. Try and play golf. Yeah. True. What's your handicap? Oh, I don't have one. Just me. I'm the handicap. <laughs> uh, <laughs> least favorite fitness block. Ooh, Broncos. Yeah, I can definitely agree on that one. Uh, favorite cheat meal. Um, probably pizza. Eh? Pizza, Pizza Hut, Domino's. True, have you got a go to? Is it your pepperoni guy or? Um, yeah, 
pepper. Oh, I normally get two cheesy garlic pepperoni. Yeah, I'm no stranger to the cheesy garlics, bro. They are Domino's um, best kept secret. Um, yeah. Most regretful baller purchase. Um, what I mean by that is, what have you gone out and splashed a whole lot of money on, and they've been like, oh, geez, I did not need to buy that. <laughs> probably hundreds of rounds in town. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's probably honestly that's probably it. Spending too much on a night out. Oh, bro, we've all been there. Uh, guilty music pleasure. Guilty what? Guilty music pleasure. So who's one artist or what's one song in your Spotify that you're a little bit embarrassed um, to admit that's there? Um, I don't mind the Bee Gees there. Or Ebba. I listen to a bit of Ebba. Mm, yeah, yeah. I can I can totally talk with that. Um, what's your go-to dance move? Um... Fist pump. Uh, who's I'm, not, the biggest... I'm not a very good dancer. <laughs> just, a, just a humble fist pump. Uh, yeah, mate. Fair enough. These are your answers. Um, the biggest grub you've played with and against. <laughs> um, biggest grub I played with. He's not a. He's not someone you'll know, but um. I played club footy with him. His name's Nathan D. He's the at, like the biggest scrub I know. Like he's honestly a bad, and um, he gets away with murder um, down in Southland playing club footy. Um, he's one I played with um, against. Probably Dane Coles, eh? Yeah, Dane Coles, I'd say. Yeah, he's no stranger to the niggle. All right, bro. Um, last question, and you've got to finish the sentence off for me. Saturdays are for the boys. Again, bro, like I've said with everyone else that's given me that answer, that's a 10 out of 10. <laughs> but um, yeah, it. that <laughs> that uh, that wraps everything up um, from my end, my man. Um, again, I just want to say a very big thank you to you for taking some time out um, on Sunday afternoon. You know, like with any, any other guests I get on, bro, like it's awesome to just get insight from your part, hear a little bit about your story and then, yeah, hopefully pass all this info on to someone who's just as interested in rugby as me bro but yeah i guess just for you and the rest of your season good luck for that mate um enjoy the time overseas over in aussie um i'll definitely be envying or i'll definitely be envious of all you boys over there and um yeah man again just awesome. thank you bro very grateful uh, thanks for thanks for having me mate it's been good right. good yeah bro absolutely all right my man uh you take care bro catch you up sweet as mate later